Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. I know people who want one or two rentals and, and that's all they can think about. And they go out and buy one or two. What happened that made you push hard enough to actually get, you know, 10 times the amount of rentals you imagined getting in that first 18 months? You know, there was a few things. One, we paid for education. I, I believe you have to buy knowledge nowadays. You absolutely have to. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I am happy to have you here. I am super honored that you choose to be here and spend time with me and uh, and my great guests that I have on every week. And today is no exception, guys. I have a good one for you today. I've got someone who started off with some disadvantages, to be quite honest. Uh, she was a, a single mom at the age of 16 and really had to scrape and claw and fight her way. And now she has over seven. 770 doors, uh, valued at over $7 million in real estate. She is an author of a book called Multiple Ways to Wealth. She, like I said, started off as a single uh, a single mom, and, uh, and she started her real estate investing business uh, buying properties, buying single-family homes, and now she primarily does multifamily and, uh, and some development projects. And she can help you understand how to go from a few deals, a few rentals, into a much larger portfolio, and there are steps to get there. She's a formal financial advisor. She really knows her stuff. She's a smart lady. She knows money. She gets it, and she understands how to create that passive income for long-term wealth. Guys, without any further ado, I give you Edna Keep. All right, Edna, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks uh, for coming on the show, and welcome to Just Start Real Estate. My absolute pleasure, Mike. Awesome. Well, like I said, uh, I've read a little bit of your background and done my investigation. We kind of dig in and and we sort of, uh, you know, really dig into our, our guests before they jump on. So we have some sense of who we're talking to, obviously, and make sure that it's a good fit. Uh, you've had a you've had a tremendously interesting life to this point. A lot, lot more to go, obviously, but your background <laughs> is really interesting. So I'm excited to dive into that. And just so that people have a little bit better time, you know, connecting and identifying. Let's talk about where you come from, because I think that's really important to your story. What did what did life start like for you? And how did this journey kind of get to real estate? Well, you know, I I, I always kind of start my stories. I had a, I became a single mom at age 16. And at that time, uh, kind of felt like my options were limited, you know, can't go to college, can't study, got to get a job, just do all the basic stuff to, to make a living and stuff like that. But you know, I really credit that experience to helping me get to the success level I am because a lot of times you don't do this kind of stuff just for yourself, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so early on, I had to put food on the table. I had to make things work because it wasn't just about me. Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, that was a very, very, 
tough time. It's hard being a single mom at that age, your yeah. child raising a child. But uh, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, really. Yeah. And that's, you know, listen, I started off, I was a parent very, very young also. Um, and I think sometimes, like you said, you know, sometimes I think millennials get a get sort of a bad rap. It's like, wow, they're unmotivated. They stay kids a long time. But you know what? Sometimes when you have to become an adult young, you kind of do snap kind of snap to a little bit sooner and you have to get serious about life. You can't afford at 16 with a child, you can't afford to be a typical teenager for the next four years. You have to really kind of dive in and learn stuff. And you know, what might seem at the time like a disadvantage, it, it kind of meant you got to start your life and start learning and, and creating who you're going to be a lot sooner. So how, what did that look like for you in the early years? What did you do? How did you make a living? Well, you know, early on, I my first job was waitressing, uh, and I hated it. <laughs> I always felt like people treated me like I didn't have a brain, and that really bothered me. I didn't like people yeah. to think I was dumb, uh, and blonde being on top of it. The ever <laughs> dumb blonde analogy, I always yeah. say, oh, no, that's not me. Um, so that that was one thing. So respect was always a big thing for me. So uh, I my first decent job was working in a doctor's office, and uh, it was Monday to Friday, which none of my friends had any of that. <laughs> and I think I got that partially because they knew I had to be dedicated. Mm. You know, I had a child going to daycare. I was paying rent, yep. had car payments. I had no choice but to show up for work. Yeah. And I did. I always did. And uh, then then I got bored with it. You know, it was receptionist duties. And, and so I started doing self-study on the side and eventually worked myself up to an office administrator in a construction company. Okay. And uh, from there, I started studying on the side to become a financial advisor because, again, I couldn't do anything full time to change careers. It always had to be uh, on the side because yeah. you can't give up one to go to another. Right. I had nobody supporting me. Yep. Uh, I mean, my pa my family was really good about helping as much as they could, but not that much financially. Yeah. And um, so I just kept pushing ahead, trying different things, moving ahead, moving ahead, moving ahead. But my first really big break was when I became a financial advisor. And, you know, I read a magazine one time that this lady was making 300,000 a year as a financial advisor. And I thought, <laughs> Holy Hannah, that would just be amazing if yeah. I could make that here's somebody who's making like, I think it was $2,400 a month or something at the time. Yeah. And, and so that's how I got my start. I, I started in a network marketing type uh, financial role and became a certified financial planner and <clears throat> did that for 15 years. But how I got wow. introduced to real estate, Mike, was, um, you know, my husband, and I just decided all, you know, all our income is tied to mutual funds. He had a trucking company, but there, it was just kind of basic, basic income. And we thought, when the market fluctuated in mutual funds, you just, your income fluctuated. Yep. I didn't like that. I loved making the big money. <laughs> and so we started looking at maybe doing some real estate on the side. And we thought, oh, you know, whatever, buy a few houses over the next, you know, 10, 15 years, I'd be a help with a retirement plan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in 18 months, we own 50 doors. And I couldn't sell mutual funds anymore. Once I understood real estate, I was like out of there. So I sold my financial planning practice, which a lot of people told me is crazy because I was making about two hundred fifty thousand a year. A lot of it in um, recurring income too, so mm -hmm. you get sort of these ongoing service fees. So yeah. a lot of people thought it was just like crazy to do this, um, wow. but it was the best decision we ever made. And and we didn't have a goal of make getting you know three hundred doors. We thought oh fifty over the next five ten. 
10, 15 years, we couldn't even think that far. Yeah. Uh, so when we got 50 doors in 18 months, it was like, hmm, we really felt like we had something there. Yeah, completely. Now, just out of curiosity, those first 50 doors, were they multifamily, all single family, a mixture of both? Well, we started with condos because, you know, we were scared of everything, tenants, okay. toilets, everything. Yeah. Um, so we started with condos. Our third purchase was a, a duplex. Then we bought more duplexes and, okay. and we renovated some houses to make them into duplexes and stuff. Gotcha. But our last purchase was 24 units. That's what brought us up to the 50 doors. So it was okay. a combination. But we got to the point where we couldn't get houses, mortgages on our own anymore. We had too many as we didn't qualify. So we started, we're thinking about bringing in more and more joint venture partners. Yeah. And I sat down with the realtor and I said, you know, we're going to buy 20 houses next year. He said, and why don't you just buy a multifamily? And I'm like, oh, I can't, I don't own enough houses yet. You know, yeah, the whole monopoly yeah. game. Yeah. Um, and he said, no, you could. And I go, really? And, and he said, yeah. So we had a chat about it. And I said, well, Okay, you talked me into it. What do you got? And he said, Well, I have a 24 unit here. He says, I'm just writing up the paperwork for it. Otherwise, I might never not even talk to you about it. Um, and I'm listing it tomorrow. And I said, Well, uh, what's it gonna take to get it under contract today? And he said, Full price offer. So we did it and we took possession shortly after and uh, never looked back on the multifamilies either. Okay, couple of questions, a lot of questions, but <laughs> let me let me kind of work through these. I'm gonna go backward. I have a question for something you said earlier, but real right off the bat, what you just said, you made a full price offer. Do you mind if I ask what year that was approximately? That was in two thousand and nine. Two thousand and nine. Okay. So we know what happened in two thousand and nine. In a lot of places, did it affect you the same way where you were? Was there a big crash? Was market was the prices were they crashing or how, how was that working for you? Actually, we were the opposite, Mike. So okay. we'd actually spent a lot of time in the US looking because the markets were so awesome there. Mm -hmm. But we couldn't get financing. And like I said, we'd already bought the houses, used up all our own money, we couldn't yeah. get financing. So we bought at home. Uh, we're okay. Saskatchewan, Canada, Central mm -hmm. Canada. And we had a really good market at okay. the time. Okay. Um, door price we paid was 75000 a door. Okay. And uh, it went on to kind of hit a market high. We actually condo converted that property just because of what was going on in our market. There wasn't enough houses and stuff mm, like that. Okay. And did very well. We sold some of those condos out at uh, almost 150000 a door. So did really wow. well. Okay. Um yeah, but uh, we wish we would have kept it, you know, at seventy five thousand. <laughs> well, that answers my question then, because my next question was looking back, because you just, you know, a lot of times when you don't know what you don't know, you just sort of, you know, do what you think. But looking back, I was going to ask you, did you overpay? And it sounds like no, you did not overpay, even though no. you paid full price, you didn't overpay, and, and that was in a strong market. You weren't in a declining or a crashed market. You were in a strong market, and you paid yeah. full asking, and it still worked out for you. Yeah, yeah. But we did, we did have some challenges, so. First of all, at the guys who owned the place had owned it for a really long time. So they didn't have any payments or anything. Mm -hmm. So they hadn't kept the rent up to where it should have been. Mm -hmm. So we ended up having to get vendor financing for a while just to get in there and get our work done to bring it up to what it should have been valued yeah, at. Yeah. Um, and we could only get financing for 50% of it. So we raised the rest to the capital. Gotcha. But within a very short period of time, we doubled all the rents in that building because it was average 425 a month. And the market was between 800 and a thousand. So wow. we went in between 800 and a thousand and increased all the units within a year. A bunch of people moved out 
didn't matter. There was such a shortage of housing. They all moved back in. Yeah. Uh, people moved back in, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we hit a very strong market to start with. So you 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 told me that, OK, so of your first 50, the last 24 was like in, in, at one at one time. OK, so that does not diminish the fact that that means there were 26 units, whether they be single family or, or duplexes that you bought in 18 months like that. You don't just fall backward into that like by accident. That is that's work. That's dedication. That's drive. And your point was, and I'm always curious about this because I talk to people who this they say this, they go, oh, I thought if I could get a couple rentals, it'd be great. And then I had 50 and 18 months like, hold on, hold on. I know people who want one or two rentals and, and that's all they can think about. And they go out and buy one or two. What happened that made you push hard enough to actually get, you know, 10 times the amount of rentals you imagined getting in that first 18 months? You know, there was a few things. One, we paid for education. I, I believe you have to buy knowledge nowadays. You absolutely have to. And we were introduced to real estate through the Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, mm -hmm. series. And originally Russ Whitney, but then uh, Rich Dad took over uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Yep. And so we spent 27,000 US at the time to learn the strategies. So, and there was a whole pile of strategies we learned mm -hmm. and we did everything. So we did fix and flips and we did um, rent owns and and uh, le uh, lease backs and all this different stuff. We'd yep. buy nine and get the 10th one free. Like we did all this kind of stuff. We were actually inducted into the Hall of Fame for not <laughs> just learning the strategies, but applying them all in a short period of time. Okay. And that's how that's what got us our first 50. But we also did not do it alone. We had a coach the yep. whole time that we were doing this. Yep. So we always had somebody who'd already built a decent portfolio giving us guidance. And we also partnered with some people who had taken the same training we had two years prior and already owned 20 houses. So yeah. they bought 20 houses in two years. And we kind of thought, hmm, this, you know, we ended up at a dinner, the same place with them and just, just had this like almost overwhelming craving to be around people who'd done that well. Yeah. And so we partnered up with them and, and they took a lot of our fear away, you know, because like I said, we were kind of scared of everything. Our first yeah. few purchases we did by ourselves and we <laughs> yeah. were scared of everything. Tenants, especially because you hear all the horror stories, right? Yep. And they'd already had 20 houses. They knew what areas to buy in, in the city. They had a property management firm. So mm. we didn't have to worry about dealing with that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we got to work within our strengths. So as a financial advisor, one of my strengths was being able to raise the money. Also couldn't do that as I was a financial advisor, which is why I gave that up. Okay. But I approached different people, friends, family, people that weren't in my financial advisory role. Yeah. And that's how we started uh, and did it very quickly. Again, again yeah. like I said, because we found, you know, at the time we were in a very strong market and a lot of people wanted to get into real estate, but didn't have any clue how. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of, we, you know, once we educated them, then we, we were able to raise a lot of money. very Yeah. That's interesting. So as a financial advisor, you understood how to raise money and things. Once you left that role, like just for people listening now who are like, wait a minute, I, I need to raise money. Like maybe they've maxed out how many rentals they can buy with a traditional mortgage. What do you suggest? What how what are some strategies people could use? What did you use successfully to raise money? Cuz now like my notes say you have 778 doors. I know sometimes when I interview people it's a little outdated and they have more or less or whatever, but you you're you're approaching 1000 doors. How do how what is the strategy that you suggest or what are some of the strategies people can use to start that process of raising money for these deals? 
Well, you know, our first deal is a classic. We we took, first of all, we took a class called creative financing, which I just loved. It was like my favorite class of all of them. And they taught us about vendor financing and, and um, private money. And would you, might, would you define vendor financing? I, I, maybe uh, I know what you're seller saying. Seller financing. So the, the, the person selling the property leaves the money in the okay, deal. Okay, good. I've never and heard it called vendor financing. That's Okay, okay yeah, we yeah. call it vendor. Got it. Um, the third property we bought, so we knew at that time that our cash was going to be limited and we wanted to still grow. We had enough to buy that house, but if we put our all our money into down payment, we probably wouldn't be able to buy another one until we right. refinanced and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we approached the seller and we said, hey, would you be interested in seller financing? And we had to explain what it was because she didn't know. And we said, well, basically what it is, is you leave the amount we need for a down payment. Because And we explained to her that we were wanting to grow. We got to know her because there was quite a bit of back and forth. She was fixing up this property to sell it. And and we were just back and forth talking to her. And um, so we explained to her uh, she could provide the down payment. And uh, we'd pay her 6% interest on the money, interest only, and we'd pay her out in about five years. And when we refinance, the property was our thought. And she said, oh, my gosh, I'll win twice then on this deal. First of all, again, we did a full price offer. Yeah. Um, if she did full uh, vendor financing on us, which was in this case, it was $160,000 property, 32000 for the 20% down payment. We paid the legal costs. Yep. And she said, I'm going to win twice. I get full price for my property and I'm going to get 6% interest because, geez, if I sign it in the bank, I'd get what, maybe 1%, 2%. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so that was our first uh, option. So, Seller financing is always a good way to go. Um, And with my students, we really concentrate a lot on that because I would say they're already real estate investors, right? And especially when you're dealing with multifamily, they probably own real estate for years and years. They probably made a fortune. Mm -hmm. And now they're at the point in their lives where they're either... um, retiring or just held on to the property too long and their kids are trying to get rid of it because they don't want to deal with it. But they're predisposed to be in a real estate investor because they already, what are they going to do with their money? Go put it in the stock market after they built their fortune in real estate. Yeah. Not likely. So, but, but that doesn't mean that they're just going to offer it or just give it to you. You still have to educate them, get them to understand why it's still a good idea. You know, sometimes you offer a little bit higher price if they'll vendor finance, give them a decent interest rate, different stuff like that. So that that's a really good way to get started. So I'm looking at my notes here, and you have something called the five-step investor attraction system. What what is that? What does that mean? Well, um, it kind of falls in line with what what we did. So you uh, first of all have to have a mindset shift. One of one of the things because you know, like we did when we were buying homes, we thought, well, next year we'll buy twenty homes, and our realtor said, "Edna, why don't you buy an apartment building?" And yeah. I went, "Oh." I don't think I can, but tell me more. So he told me more in his office. I had a mindset shift. It doesn't have to take a long period of time. Yeah. And I went, well, if somebody else can, I can, why not? That's it. Put the offer in, went, yeah. went back to our partners and said, Hey, you want to partner with us on this? And they had just been at a conference and set a goal that they wanted to buy 24 doors in the next year, did it in one deal. Nice. And, and so things just kind of transpired along there. So mindset shift is the first thing. Realize that, you can go big. You don't have to pick, you know, pick away at one property every three years or whenever you can get the money together or whatever. Right. Um, so mindset shift. Um, uh, the other is, uh, you know, finding and analyzing the right deal because not every deal makes sense. Like, like you say in the, you know, in a market that's 
overheated, you don't want to be buying in that market because then, you know, it takes a long time to recover. Yeah. Buy and hold is probably still the most forgiving way yeah. to hold real estate, but still takes a long time re to recover. So you want to be buying in, in the right area at the right time. You have to also know how to analyze a property. And multifamily is different because they're treated like a business and the income has to cover the expenses and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and financing can be, be very sweet on stuff like that. So th those are the things that you need to know. And then hire a coach again, because you're stepping into an unknown world and, and your coach has already bought dozens of properties. There's not much that is different. Yeah. You know, there's always new nuances that get thrown in, which is where the mindset stuff comes in, right? Yep. You just have to roll with the punches. Yep. So yeah, that's the that's the five steps that you really need to focus on in order to to shift from where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know you you wrote a book, Multiple Ways to Wealth. What I wrote a book too, and I know the pains involved. What <laughs> made you what what made you write that book and and and, and what who is it speak to who is it for well you know when we when we started because that that one i think i wrote back in 2013 something like that so quite a few years ago but i wanted people to realize that there are multiple ways to wealth and not just one way so even though real estate ended up even even since that book more real estate than even what we were doing at the time but i you know was familiar with stocks and bonds and mutual funds yep. we had other businesses on the side that we'd actually used other people's money about businesses with so we'd done yep. lots of different things we still ended up almost entirely in real estate just because you know, business, there's lots of risk involved in there. Mutual yep. fund stocks, there's fluctuations going on. You don't know what the heck's happening in back in head office. Yeah. You know, things that you think you buy, you don't end up buying. People are shorting and longing and all this stuff on this stuff. And you're, you're supposed to be long-term buy and hold and that just wasn't working. Yeah. So we ended up mostly in, in real estate. But back at the, the time, it was like, there's so many ways to become wealthy. Yeah, absolutely. And so you kind of touched on it a little bit. You have a program called 90 Days to 5K. And it's really for people who maybe already own a few doors, a few properties, and they want to expand that portfolio. And they're kind of running out of money and they want to kind of grow that business. What, what is that about? What, what do you help people with in that course? Well, you know, to get them their first 5000 a month in income coming from a, from a building or two buildings, usually in, in the areas that we've been working in, at, we get some that get it with their very first building. Yeah. But you might get 3000 4000 a month in your first building, maybe another 2500 on another building, depending on the size. And 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 it's it's easier to look at the smaller units to start with because, first of all, there's lots of opportunity in, in our area, especially smaller units. Yeah. Larger, not so much, although that's what we're focusing on. But, you know, you, I always felt like, and that was our goal when we started, if we can make 5000 a month, then that covers a lot of bases and a day-to-day -day yeah. world. And we could go on and do all kinds of other things. Like, um, have you ever played the uh, board game Cashflow 101? That oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. So do you know that feeling when you flip that board and you're out of the rat race? Mm -hmm. That's what we felt like when we hit our first 5,000. <laughs> and that's what I tell students, you know, that covers a lot of bases. Like if you can have the day-to-day -day expenses covered, um, and of course, if you're doctor, lawyer, stuff that ends up higher. But if you can have that day-to-day -day covered and that feeling of freedom where you don't have to go to work every day, you don't have to answer to the man every day, you're not making the man rich, but you're actually working to make yeah. yourself rich. Opportunities start showing up. 
that you couldn't even see before, yeah. you yeah. know, and, yeah. and you have the time to think about it. You have the time to look. That, that was one of the things that we noticed, um, back Mike when we were growing and people would say to us how the heck did you get 50 doors in two years like we've been earned 18 months we've been doing this for three years we haven't even bought our first property yet and we said well because we we did it we didn't just think about it we actually yeah. did it yeah. and and just started moving forward um I always tell people you can study till the cows come home but until you actually do a deal yeah you won't even know what you know you know and that's that's a big thing for people to get their hands held through the first um, first one yeah. or two buildings. And after that, then yeah, you know what you're doing, totally. but to have your hands held is, is such a, such a big, it was for us anyway, really big thing to have our hands held. I mean, we, we read books, we took the courses, but there's a lot of things that have to happen in that window from the time you put a property under contract till the time you take possession of yeah, it. Yeah, you know? completely. And you mentioned earlier when you were talking about how hard you guys worked, you applied things that you learned in that first um, mastermind or that first group that you were involved in. And now you're talking about this, right? Like it's a lot of work. And, and people a lot of times will look at a person like you and go, oh, you're so lucky. You have such a great life. And it's like sometimes people who work the hardest get the luckiest, right? Like that's where <laughs> is, is it really luck or is it just people who actually apply what they're learning? Because you could take a course, you can read a book, you can get educated. But if you don't do anything, there's nothing there's nothing gained. Right. And I think for me, the some of the most successful people I've ever met, talked to, interviewed or know in person are also coincidentally the hardest working people I know. You know, like they they're the most willing to apply what they've learned and really go out and take massive action. And I and I think that's that's a big part of it, right? Yeah. Um and I know tons of smart people who do not do that and they're they're unhappy with their life and they're in the rat race and they're not loving it. So I, I appreciate this. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh smart lady, you've you've just crushed it in your life. And and you didn't start with someone handing you a boatload of money and saying, here you go and here's what exactly what you should do with it. Like you had to figure it out. And I think you know out. that adversity, you know, that kind of sharpened your proverbial sword like you know that 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 kind mm -hmm. of um resistance sometimes makes the you know the luckiest people to use that joke again um so i, I just appreciate everything you've done uh, you obviously know what you're talking about if people want to reach out to you if people want to know more if they want to get involved how can they find you what should they do uh, easiest way is go to my website. It's ednakeep.com. And I'm on Facebook, Coach Edna Keep. And my email address is edna at ednakeep. Uh, so ednakeep.com. So, uh, that, that's the easiest way. If they can remember those, uh, eight letters, uh, it's, <laughs> it's the easiest way to connect with me. Ednakeep.com. Got it. Okay. Thank you for doing this again. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being so transparent and so helpful to my audience. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you. And hopefully we'll talk again in the future. Okay, my pleasure, Mike. All right, thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Edna. She is a lot of fun, very smart, and very inspirational from a very, very young mother at the age of 16 to uh, a real estate empire, really. I mean, her real estate portfolio is ridiculously large at 778 doors and counting. So uh, she knows what she's talking about. And boy, when you talk about starting from a position of not having really any advantages, she really made it happen. So I love those stories. Very inspirational. Hopefully, you 
guys enjoyed that. I I know I did. So uh, I love, love, love having people on who are just gritty, who are people who just figure it out. Like she said, all of her education has been like learning in addition to her day job where she was paying the bills. She had to go out on her own in her free time on the weekends, nights, you know, all these things to learn what she learned and built what she built. So I hope that's inspirational. You guys can do it. If Edna can do it, if I can do it, believe me, you can do it. So get out there and make it happen. Make today the day that you change everything for the better. We'll talk to you next time.